This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're listening to Sharmila Ganesan, Lee Chui Lin and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, what does the future hold for AMNO? We're talking about this as the party celebrates its 77th anniversary. So we talk about the state of affairs in AMNO and also the needs, uh, what it needs to do to remain relevant. Then we want to hear from you. Do you see a future for AMNO? Let us know that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send a voice note or WhatsApp our U mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. This is Inside Story. Six oh eight. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn, and Sharad. So Amno is celebrating its seventy seventh anniversary today, um, and uh, they will be having a celebration in actually just about half an hour at the World Trade Center. Um, it will be um, uh, it will be featuring a speech that will be streamed live on Amno's Facebook page by Amno President, of course, Dato Sri Dr. Ahmad Zahid Hamidi. So. He has also uh, put out a statement ahead of this celebration, calling on party members to build a more progressive party with fresh ideas to face the opposition. Uh, according to him, Amno's enemies have tried to spread propaganda against the party because they were uneasy with the party's uh, position within the unity government and he said that diversity in terms of race, creed, origins and professions should be considered a strength instead of cause for division. So there is the the call to arms really for what the next stage or the next phase of UMNO might look like, where whether it actually goes in that direction remains to be seen. And when you think about, you know, the, the number of uh Stakeholders in the current political setup, uh, you know, the origins of many of our leaders, uh, you know, they, they in fact come from Amno. So, it's, you know, uh, Tansri Muhyiddin Yassin is from Amno. Uh, he leads Basatu. The uh, Prime Minister. Anwar uh, Ibrahim mm. is from Amno, uh, and so on and so forth, right? So, Amno, and even, you know, Amno's uh, relationship or past relationship or historical uh, relationship with uh, Amno is very interesting. So, in many ways, it's a grand old party that one that in fact defined the way this nation was going to go. Not can just I, for Malaya, but for Malaysia in terms of the bargains they did. Can I talk about that phrase, grand old party? Because uh, oh, it's an American expression, is uh, it? it? No, no, well, no. Uh, I just think that we have not not we in the studio, but. I was thinking about our election coverage and how many times I think we could have done a smash cut of all the times somebody said grand old party in reference to Amno. And I think at this point, everybody says it as a double-edged sword. Everybody uses it as a grand old party on the one hand, lots of heritage, history, um, you know, imbued so much of itself into our country for better or for worse, you know, that's part of being a grand old party. The other thing is just you're old. And so um, if you compare that to what its president is asking for, this move towards a a fresh face, a fresh start, progressive, um, you know, welcoming all regardless of creed, you know, all of that stuff, um, it, it it does, to my mind, um, sound like 
an old party recognising that age and, and thinking, oh, okay, here we are, what now? Although not necessarily borne out in action, right? Because if we think back to the uh, AMNO uh, General Assembly and the people that got, well, suspended sidelined, whatever you want to say, uh, were exactly the people who um, many saw as the progressives of the party who heralded a different direction. Um, Whether or not you think that is in fact what we want um, as our future leaders, um, a lot of the rhetoric around needing to move towards this future, needing to uh, engage with the youth and, and look towards what might be, I'm not sure whether we're actually seeing that talk being walked. Yeah, so I guess in the anniversary setting, you can you have the liberty to go back not just seven years but seventy seven years, and you know what uh, somebody who's watched Amno as it evolved will say today about where the party is. What was the party like under its founding members? Uh, you know, the Tunku Abdul Rahman's, uh, On Ben Jaffa's, uh, you know, the people who in many ways created the, the compact between different ethnic communities and the political parties representing them to create, uh, to, to establish a very stable society, you know, and, and their desire to create a, the larger federation of Malaysia in 63 with the territories of Sarawak and Sabah. I mean, it takes a certain type of uh, political imagination, uh, including losing Singapore, right? I mean, Secession, unthinkable, uh, you know, today, but was allowed in 1965. So, and all of that came down to Amno's leadership, the choices they made about citizenship, uh, which sometimes I say, you know, maybe those were the glory days of Amno, when in fact the uh, Amno represented this liberal, inclusive idea. Party might be Malay, but they were in a coalition with other communities determined to hold that plural society together. So we are going to spend the rest of the show uh, really unpacking that. What might the, where is Amno at? What might the future look like for them? Uh, And for that, we will be joined very shortly by Amirul Johan, Senior Researcher at the Institute of Strategic Analysis and Policy Research. But we really do want to hear from you as well. Do you see a future for AMNO? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Being first matters. BFM eighty nine point nine. It's 6.14. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we're marking Amno's 77th anniversary by looking at what's up with Amno, really. Uh, we want to hear from you. Do you see a future for them? You can send us your thoughts. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Amirul Johan, Senior Researcher at the Institute of Strategic Analysis and Policy Research. Amirul, good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. So it's been six months since we saw AMNO partnering with Pakatan Harapan to form the current government. How would you describe their uh, AMNO's current status, particularly following their poor showing in the 2018 general election? Okay, uh, after the end of GE15, there are numerous questions on whether AMNO is still being accepted by the voters, especially on the Malay grounds, and whether AMNO is still relevant in the current political climate. 
And as for today, on the party 77th anniversary, we can see many wishes from the party leadership and supporter on ensuring the party remains relevant. For me, AMNO is still relevant, but in survival mode. AMNO and Barisan Nasional still have 30 seats in the parliament, complementing the United Government or Madani Government. The party still have over 3 million supporters, a structural organization from Pusat, Negeri, Bahagian and Cawangan across four levels of leadership which is bagian wanita pemuda and putri across 189 division in Peninsula and Sabah. So this show that the machinery and election, they are not yet a small party or micro party and have the influence on the current country direction. But however, the relevance of the party is not granted forever. As a backbone of the Barisan National, UMNO governed Malaysia for over 60 years until 2018 without any support from other coalition. Now, as part of the political cycle, the coalition explained a trust deficit and political decay. Now, it is up to the party leadership to adapt to the new political landscape and adopt necessary measures to ensure the party survivors on the line. So considering um, what we've seen, especially in terms of results in the elections, what yeah. do you think are some of the main points of frustration that voters have with them, particularly the Malay electorate? I personally think the main factors is AMNO internal bickering and political posturing, which had eroded the credibility and cemented the image of an old political party, which the voter feel the party cannot move forward. According to one of the AMNO grassroots, which I interviewed uh, post the election, the party seems to disfranchise several warlords, including dropping prominent leaders, as we all know. Lah. And then, um, and this does not stand well among the division supporters and the party grassroots in general. At the same time, uh, during that time, AMNO president apparent moved to consolidate power by casting out the potential rival or challenges to his presidency was too obvious and did not have did not leave a good impression among the grassroots and also the voters. We can see in Rembau, the party young and reformist leader Kairi Jamaldin was not given chance to defend his seat but asked to contest in Pakatan Harapan Stronghold in Sumebulo, which result in Kairi defeated. I, I believe there's another angle to it, which is more option to the Malay to vote. Uh, in GE15, Malay national politics was simply simple dominated by two major uh, coalition, which is Pakistan National and also Pakatan Harapan or earlier Pakatan Raya. Most, if not all, parties that contested in the Malaysian general election in the peninsula were part of either or one of the coalition and formed strong campaign bloc. However, uh, post series to move several, several smaller parties begins to emerge either from splinter party or new political player. And based on that, the plurality in the political scenario allowed the voters to choose from the previous bi-party system, which is BN versus PH, and now to the multi-party system, which is PN versus PH versus PN. Amirul, uh, you know, you gave us a sense of how the party is, its structure, its membership. Yeah. Uh, but we also know that people kind of defect and do, do all kinds of things. You might be a member of a party, but then actually vote for somebody else. What mm. would bring the party faithful back to AMNO in a convincing way? There's a lot of talk about reinvention of AMNO. It, from a kind of outside perspective, I'm assuming you're not a uh, AMNO member. I don't know. Maybe no. you are. Um, no. What do you think should be their main priority? Um, there are several thoughts on reinventing the AMNO. Um, I think, I believe they, they, they should be prioritized on showing a fresh image and suit to the lifestyle and vision of today's people. And second, as the party is turned 77 years old today, AMNO need to always have a fresh face and inclusive approach towards the people, especially the young and the larger voter segment. 
Third is not disengaging with the voter, although the party is not as strong as before. And lastly is no need to present a new deal for rakyat in the effort to win their heart in the next election. And one thing that's constantly dogging Amno is, of course, these allegations of corruption. What's needed for them to successfully shed this image? Um, I believe this is going to be a long road for Amno, uh, but the party needs better communication with the voters. Regardless of the ideology, people do not like corruption and love the party. So moving forward, uh, Amno need to settle this matter first. They want to get rid of the stigma of being labeled a corrupt party. I believe this is something that needs to be addressed by the party leadership as soon as possible. So the same problem is not going to linger the party in the next election. So has their alliance with Pakatan Harapan helped to maintain their relevance and rebuild their image at least in some part? Um, the real test on, on whether their relevance um, with Pakatan Harapan is depends on the upcoming state election. And the result of the election will answer this question. One thing that clear benefits Amno after being with Pakatan Harapan is that they are no longer attacked by Pakatan Harapan, either from the leaders or supporters. The failure of Amno and BN in GE15 and GE15 was because they clearly failed to fend off the attack from Pakatan Harapan. I think so far Amno has not yet succeeded in rebuilding their image, which has badly damaged by being together with Pakatan Harapan in the South Community Government today. At least it has not made it become worse. Amirul, um, do you think Amno would have benefited from being out of power for uh, longer? That only because that being back in government has actually inhibited change within their ranks? Uh, yes, Amno need to be in the government. Um, Amno need to be government and need to. Uh, show their powers, need to show their uh, credibility to the rakyat. No, actually, my question, Admiral, was the opposite, that only by being outside of power that there would be impetus for internal change in UMNO. Uh, there's another way to see it, but uh, since they, they are being in government, so I uh, take it as it is so, speaking about that alliance currently, uh, the fact that AMNO now um, is in government with Pakatan Harapan, how has this sat with AMNO stalwarts, the long-time supporters, who might come to this with a fair amount of resistance to DAP or even Anwar Ibrahim? Um, I, I think this, this, the success of this um, cooperation is depends on um, how BN and PH leadership can manage their supporters to hold their political ceasefire. And while AMNO and BN not contradicting the party struggles, and it depends also on the leadership to manage public expectation and at the same time play political chess within the coalition government parties at the same time. Let's talk about who's in power because uh, Ahmad Zaid Hamidi has held on to the top post at the moment, but it has not yes. been an easy road there. Uh, is fresh blood ultimately what's needed to revitalize the party? Um, I, I believe the party needs uh, both an uh, experienced leader and also a fresh blood simultaneously. Experienced leaders need to give their wisdom to the new generation of leaders while allowing them to grow through exposure and leadership quality. I believe um, the process of rejuvenation started since 2018 after the loss in GE14 and the party need to continue scouting for new talent. Um, however, Despite the pull of talent has become more competitive, uh, more competitive, competitive since more Malay youth are also considering other parties in the market. 
I wonder, you know, there's um, there's a, a feeling, a perception among uh, maybe liberal voters that uh, Ahmad Zaid, uh, Ahmad Zaid Hamidi is a bad for Amno because of the kind of corruption charges on him and because of the way he's conducted uh, in sort of. Uh, you know, internal democracy in his own party. But mm. is there an, a, a different interpretation of uh, uh, Zaid Hamidi at this point in time? Has he, in fact, successfully brought Amno back into the mainstream of politics and um, negotiated this deal? Is there a positive spin on him? Um, right now, um, I, 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 I don't think so. But, um, however, uh, because the, the supporter of Amno uh, rallying behind me, so um, this show yeah, to the party uh, uh, to at least unite under the, the, his leadership. And the fact that the younger, more outspoken um, up-and-comers, people like Kairi Jamaluddin, have been removed or uh, sidelined in the party, does this set the wrong tone for Amno's rebranding efforts? Uh, yes, although the removal of figures like uh, KJ and also Shari Hamda is uh, quite unfortunate, given that both figures have the support from the youth, uh, I think the party must go forward as it is. They have a new leader in Dr. Akmal Saleh, uh, Saleh who, is, who is a new youth chief. Uh, he is still very young. And he, for me, he has huge responsibility to fill in the gap left by KJ and also Shari. Dr. Akmal Saleh uh, needs to set a new tone for his era and figure out the kind of leadership he wants to show. For the time being, the challenge for Dr. Akmal Saleh is actually to attract Malay youth to support the party, either through new membership or end the fan-sitters. So they also, at this point, have to get ahead of the momentum that's been built by Perikatan National's machinery, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And... Zahid has called for party members to take a progressive approach against what he's calling the toxic racial politics coming from the, and I'm quoting him again, enemy. Uh, do you think this messaging will resonate with the Malay electorate? Um, I think the statement from Amno President Zahid Amidi fits with the party current political reality, which is the party is no longer the number, uh, number one or main choice among the Malay voters in the last election. Today, there was a power vacuum in the Malay leadership and the absence of strong competent Malay figurehead to unite the community, uh, post Mahadi and Najib Era. In the absence of such leadership without any political, any Malay politician uh, showing outstanding appeal of charisma, the community was attracted to the religious narratives exposed by PATH, which was ultimately the biggest beneficiary in the election. As a Malay-based party in the unity government, Amino has to ensure the Malay ground will not give that uh, towards the race and religious rhetoric. They need to continue to balance it. And with the figure of PMS, Anwar Ibrahim need to be able to fulfill the expression and also be willing to take the bull by his horn to set the tone uh, for a modern and progressive nature and fill the leadership making. Now, Amirul, if they do badly the upcoming state polls, do you think AMNO is going to move back to the race and religion uh, narrative? Uh, this is quite interesting question. Um, I'm not saying that they won't. But it will be hard for Amno to play the rest in religion cards compared to before, given the current political status NPN has a better race and religion card on the table. Amno and PN will speak to the same audience at the Malay ground, and it is up to Amno to control the narrative and ensure the issue concerning the Malay will be under the control.
However, given its multi-ethnic and cultural makeup, um, I, I think Malaysia cannot afford to be ultra-conservative. Malay-based political parties um, need to uh, may find it easy to appeal the Malay mindset by playing up religious and race-related topics. But as the country moves forward, the greater Malaysian population expect the government to focus on pressing issues such as economy, job creation, and so on. We have uh, about a minute left. What must AMNO do to prove that it is being progressive and sincere about leaving behind uh, the use of race and religion for political gain? Um, as I said earlier, this is going to be a long and tough road for AMNO. Uh, and this is may, might be easier said than done. However, the party need to talk more about policy-based related and be more proactive in providing solution to the riot-related issue. And I also believe the next generation of AMNO leaders uh, need to engage with the relevant stakeholders on issue concerning riot and be hands-on about it. Uh, more engagement is needed uh, from AMNO and BNU and the PSU too on how to take up certain issues and cooperate in different capacities. And other than that, I think at the present time, I no need to wear a barista national hat and be more proactive in providing solution to the riot and not to engage with the religious rhetoric played by APN. Amirul, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. That was Amirul Johan, Senior Researcher at the Institute of Strategic Analysis and Policy Research. Uh, we want to hear from you as well. We are discussing AMNO's uh, future, really. And that's what we're asking you. Do you see a future for AMNO? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Benchmark for Managers. BFM 89.9. It is 6.39. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we are talking about AMNO on occasion of their 77th anniversary and essentially looking at where they, at are, where they are at now, uh, but also what the future might hold. And so we'd like to hear from you. Do you see a future for AMNO? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start with a voice note that's come in. This is from TIDJ. I do think that there is a future for AMNO. I do think the younger members of AMNO are a bit more open-minded. They're susceptible to change. Uh, I would actually contest that they're the 77th anniversary because, uh, you know, the whole AMNO 11 saga that happened in 1980s, I believe 1987, where AMNO was dissolved, a new entity was registered with the same name AMNO. So, yeah, I think AMNO at most is the current AMNO is 34 years. It's not 77 and it should not be called 77. Thank you for that, DIDJ. Um, a number of things there. Um, I, I think that point about the younger members um, is something that does get brought up, that there is a, 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 a sort of a younger, more progressive um, part to AMNO that we haven't perhaps heard enough from. Um I also found the the whole, well, actually, how old is AMNO? Is the AMNO of today really the AMNO uh, from the early days? And, and, and I mean, I think history tells us, really, no, there have been many ideological shifts over the decades. Well, yeah, the, the I don't know, TIDJ, uh, I, I mean, you may have some really important points. And, and I think on the on the question of young people in the party, we really have to go beyond KJ and, uh, you know, uh, Sh uh, Sharel, you know, 
I mean, I, I really like them, I think, in the sense that they're quite vibrant and articulate. But, I mean, KJ's not really young anymore. And we need to find and listen to those voices. But on the um, question of whether we call it the 77th anniversary, it's interesting because it is Amno Baru in a sense. Do we understand what really was the shift? Was the shift that... You know, the, the original model for the party, especially uh, based on the Labour Party of Britain, it was the internal democracy that was available in the first, in that iteration of the party. Did that disappear? Was that, and does it cease to be Amno because of it, mm. right? Um, mm. Because I think in many ways, the same membership, the same leadership, the same uh, commitment to a particular political goal remained, even as the party's internal structures change, perhaps to the benefit of Dr. Mahathe, clearly to the benefit of Dr. Mahathe, he was <laughs> the one who reconstituted it. Um, yeah, so maybe this is something for historians to debate. So... Um TIDJ, I hope you're still listening and that you you haven't kind of tuned off just because we keep saying 77 rather than 34. Um, the party themselves are saying 77. There's a better ring to it. So for the time being, we're going to stick to that. But um, I, I wanted to kind of leap off of a point that you were making about the, the question of change, because you say you think the younger members are more open to change. And I think that that's really interesting, partly because I wonder... Whether the word change, no, no, not I wonder. I think the word change means different things depending on who's speaking because um, some people say change and what they mean is what the president ostensibly means, um, progressive, open, welcoming, inclusive. And these are words that one thinks of uh, with associated to a degree with the notion of what liberal politics means, um, the Malaysia Madani government, the alignment with Pakatan Harapan, all the rest of it. But of course, when we say change, you can also change in in any number of directions, whether it's a difference in your uh, political goals, whether it's a difference in um, the internal makeup of your party, or whether it's a shift towards what uh, I'm loosely terming the right, uh, that can mean any number of things. But um, I guess when we say younger members are, are interested in change, I I wonder what we mean when we say that. Um, partly because, and this was a point that we didn't explore a little more earlier, when we look at the the call from the president for the party to progress or for it to change, that itself is coming from a very, very uh, specific moment in its history when there's a recognition that in order to survive for right now, this is what we need to do. It's not as if it's coming from some like, soul search you know it, it's coming from what's it's coming from results it's coming from the the lay of the land so speaking of uh, that exactly so shamsul says amno's future will depend on the new leadership if nothing changes amno will slowly die changes in leadership is a must yeah leadership often you know is the crucible which you know defines whether a party has standing chance to uh, develop and change uh, i you know, we talked about Zaid Hamidi's um, leadership role. I, I in our earlier interview, I in fact tried to propose, uh, you know, almost counterintuitive a sense that uh, Zaid has been 
very clever in his recent negotiations to um, assert, um, despite being one of the biggest losers of the last general elections, into a government and to maintain a balance within uh, his uh, this larger coalition and, and, and therefore not just secure position for him, but secure position for a huge range of Amno leaders and the party, right? So the party's now, uh, you know, has resources, so and so forth, right? So, um, yes, but, but what kind of leadership? I mean, uh, is the leadership, it, does the party rank and file want a leadership that reflects more conservative values? You know, the Mwafakat National uh, idea, that was that iteration. Now Zaid is saying, you know, it's a different one. And he's, in fact, in many ways, he's gone back on his rhetoric. I mean, Malaysian pol- yeah. politicians are quite f- fabulous in this ability to flip-flop between messaging. Uh, but what does the rank and file want? And have we access to that? Keep your thoughts coming. Do you see a future for Amno? You can call us double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio BFM eighty nine point nine. Big front man BFM eighty nine point nine. It's six fifty. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn, and Sharad, and we are asking you: Do you see a future for Amno? Uh, you can call us. You can you can call us at double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We are of course talking about this because Amno is, as we speak, celebrating their seventy seventh anniversary. So keep your thoughts coming. Um, I wanted to start with these uh, fairly emphatic messages. Uh, one from Ro, who just says. Um, no. And uh, Samuel, who says, Amno's future? Um, no. Race-based parties should be left in the bygone era. They need to evolve. I, you see, I have a problem with that because when you think about uh, race-based parties, right, they're an expression of uh, genuine sentiment of people uh, and a free association. People decide they want to associate. If they if they create rules to say we want people from a particular community because we have the same objectives in terms of it. But what um, what Amno did was it didn't rule alone. It was ruled in a coalition, and the coalition grew, especially after the Barisan National uh, in the Barisan National era, to include huge range of parties uh, with different ethnic groups. So, in fact, many people in this country would vote for somebody who are, who is not their uh, co-ethnic uh, you know or somebody of the same ethnicity uh, if they were voting for Barisan national right and so it was very interesting you know I'm no I think seen in the context of a multi-party multi and some of the race-based party uh, coalition it, I think is the reality of what Amno was because Amno became more and more dominant that became a problem so we also have um people kind of weighing in more or less on this issue as well, and two opposing views about what the M in UMNO should stand for. So Charles says, UMNO should be changed to the United Malayan National Organization to represent Malaya. Uh, we were the ones who fought for independence. Um, Sarawak doesn't allow West Malaysian political parties to make inroads. Um, the slogan there is Sarawak for Sarawakians. Similarly, it's Sabah for Sabahans. Nevertheless, I think we need someone like KJ to make the change in UMNO. So we spent some time earlier talking about fresh blood and, and KJ and Sharil Hamdan. Let's talk a little bit about this notion of Malayans because I, I, I am not particularly comfortable with this. So we talked about shifting ideologies earlier, right? I'm wondering whether this is a, a step 
too far that is beyond what even this party stands for. Um, I'm with you, Sharad, actually, earlier when you said uh, that the... If you if you stand by free association, then you sh- you shouldn't technically say well some kind of parties are not allowed and others are not. Um, but I do think that um, championing a community, if it is in the party's DNA, very difficult to move away from, right? What does that look like, and what does that have to offer for the rest of us? Why would an AMNO that's not just for Malays be something that non-Malays might want to? Um, be a part of. You know, there are other options there already. What would they offer that's different other than being first past the post? I mean, there are two things. One, I mean, Amiral reminded us that actually uh, the Malay com- uh, political community now has many more choices. Mm-hmm. I think we also have a message that reminds us the past comes out of Amno. And that's increasing division. And of course, DAP has always had uh, Malay leaders too, if you think of Ahmad No. I mean, he was not just Malay. I mean, he was a, a labour movement, a leader from the, from, the, uh, from the trade union movement. So, um, you know, they're, they're Malay uh, individuals and of course they were in, in the left parties too. So the whole range of Malay individuals and the choices that were available for them, because Amno was dominant. I I actually think that the way Amno operated, championing race as MIC championed the Indians, as MCA championed the Chinese, always came with this caveat that at the end of the day, when they took control of government, they had to govern for all because that was the compact, because they were in a structure. The Barisa National was a structure of multi-ethnic, a coalition of uh, various parties, many of them uh, ethnic-based parties. Chris says, it's clear that PN is the one that Malay voters are more interested in. AMNO needs to revamp to show that they are progressives that fight for all Malaysians. Perhaps change the name to United Malaysians National Organization. So again, this this point of view that maybe a race based a single race based party is no longer the way to go. I mean, and the distinction there between Malayan and Malaysian, I think, being significant. But you know, regardless, I I wonder, Sharad. So I I take your point, but I also think that what you're talking about comes from a lot of historical context, no? And and it mm. does not necessarily reflect, I think, um, how people feel about race-based parties and the notions of inclusion and exclusion today. It doesn't even reflect how a lot of AMNO (coughs) politicians speak. You know, if you think about certain implements being waived or certain talk of blood being spilled, it doesn't necessarily um, signal that sort of we are a party for all, all of the time. Um, so even or eventually. The, yeah, or eventually. Well, so there might be some mixed messages. But the, I want to, you know, uh, is it Patrick just now who said, um, or Chris rather. Chris. Chris, right. Uh, Chris, if you consider what is the Perikata national message, Perikatan uh, is much more on the ethnic narrative. It's an ethno-religious narrative. If Amlo's going to compete with them, with progressive, multicultural messaging, is that going to win over the people who are now with PN? I mean, in some sense, you, you know, you, it's a double move, right? Uh, Amna will have to, on one hand, be ma- the Malay party within this larger coalition. At the same time, a Malay party committed to pluralism. So, and, you know, whereas PN, otherwise you, you in some ways, opt out of the game of being the champion of your ethnic community. Because you can be both. You can be a champion of ethnic community as well as somebody who believes in pluralism in the system. Is the challenge for AMNO then actually, while PN really only needs to appeal to the Malay voter, largely the Malay electorate, 
AMNO, meanwhile, and BN, uh, need to appeal both to the Malay voter as well as the non-Malay voter. And, and that actually places them in a position uh, to have to sort of straddle a few things that can often be really at odds with each other. But that's true of all their history, right? Yeah. Because they were part but of the alliance and then they were part them, of Barisan National. Which almost puts them on the back foot with against a PN, no? Indeed. Indeed, it does. And so so the the, the pressures on AMNO today are quite considerable. They have to, you know, remain solidly Malay, at the same time committed to uh, this. It's not a, it's not difficult to fathom because that is our constitution. I mean, that is what Malaysia is. It's different ethnic communities, uh, but yet represented. And, I think and the representation right. is important. So we're not like a France that says that you know that we are only French citizens. We we believe that there are different communities, faith communities, ethnic communities, regional communities, and such. Uh, but that doesn't preclude us coming together as a nation. Just to close the loop on the, the well, what Patrick is calling the M in AMNO makes all the difference. Um, and I do think that there are voters for whom this will always be a stumbling block and perhaps a, a deal breaker. The fact that race-based parties for us often have a, a, a very complex history. I think there are some voters for whom this is never going to be their party of choice simply because of that. Yeah, indeed, there is, um, you know, I think this next election in particular, depending on how the parties within the unity government structure of the federal level play things out at the state level, if they're going to be asking you as a voter to vote for, say, AMNO, right? If you're a PH supporter, you have to vote for AMNO. If you're an AMNO supporter, now you have to vote for a PH candidate because they, they agreed they were not going to contest the same constituencies. Would you do that? Mm. And that's when I think it will get interesting and it will actually be a test of this uh how do we respond when democracy is also about um, sort of numbers and playing the game a little bit, right? Um, anyway, keep those thoughts coming. We will continue the conversation after this. We are asking you, do you see a future for AMNO? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bring forth Moolah, BFM 89.9. It is 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. We are continuing our discussion on AMNO as a party, um, where they're at now, what the future holds. Uh, and this is, of course, because it is their 77th anniversary, currently being celebrated as we speak. Uh, do keep your thoughts coming. Uh, do you see a future for AMNO? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Well, actually, I'd like to add on the question uh, that Sharad asked right at the end uh, of our earlier segment before the news, which is, if the future of AMNO includes a continued collaboration with Pakatan Harapan, and in the future you find yourself in a situation in which you have to vote for an AMNO candidate if you previously voted for Pakatan Harapan or vice versa, uh, because that's just the collaboration now and you it's uncomfortable, it's weird. Um, you know, is that something that you'd be cool with? In essence, would you... Because that's, that's Would you the transfer way, your vote? Would right? you vote for AMNO if they were running with Pakatan Harapan? Right. Uh, but also the other way but around. Also the would other you way, vote yeah. for Pakatan Harapan if previously you were voting mm. for an AMNO candidate? Because um, I think that the, the thing about it is it's a vote of trust. Um, it's also a vote of, I suppose, confidence in the, in the government and in the stability of this collaboration. It's quite a lot. I also think for some people, ideologically, it's tough. 
Send, send those thoughts through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, WhatsApp us or send us a voice note at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So we do have a voice note that's come in. This is from Adib. Amno has uh, recently sacked the progressive voices uh, in the party, like KJ and uh, the progressive group. Um, and the, the one who stays in the party right now, trying to bring back the past glory, such as the attempt to bring back Najib, that uh, it depends on how current government showing how impactful, of, how positive the impact of a progressive party like current coalition, and that will determine whether or not Amnu will, will 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 survive. If current coalition, uh, if the Malay community particularly feel threatened by the current current coalition, Amnu might thrive again. Adip, thank you for that. Yeah, so there are two very interesting, or several interesting points in what you say, Adib. But I, I wanted to focus on the attempt to bring back Najib. You see, why would a party do that? Why wouldn't they just move on from Najib Razak? So there might be, in terms of the leadership, ties to him personally, the personal sentiments. But I think what the Najib Raza debacle um, for Amno was essentially was a moment of deep shame. And I think they're trying to recover from that by, in some sense, being in denial. Because the whole narrative around freeing Najib is in somehow to lessen his, um, uh, his you know... Wrongdoing. Wrongdoing. Yeah. Lessen his wrongdoing, right? They're somehow trying to find a way to sound, make it sound like Najib wasn't, in fact, the criminal that he's been found by the court says. So I, I think that says something, and, it's, and it rankles with a lot of people outside Amno that just say, why can't they just move on from Najib? So, so is the argument here that essentially they are uh, trying to kind of reclaim or reframe the wrongdoing because then it is less deeply, uh, I, I suppose, that burden of the party also being in the wrong gets lessened. Yeah, and, and it also means that they they don't have to think deeply about what went wrong in their own party, right? Mm. Because Najib is a creature of the party. He's a creature of the, of the system, right? Including Dr. Mahathir. You know, Dr. Mahathir, remember, quite famously used Najib to uh, displace, uh, you know, uh, the, prime, the then sitting Prime Minister, Abdullah Ahmad Badawi. So, uh, you know, um, they're, they're part of the same ecosystem. So maybe this... Reflection, and I, you know, I put it to Amirul earlier, our guest. You know, whether not being out of power for long enough has inhibited Amno from truly changing. Well, also, you know, Najib doesn't operate in a vacuum. Uh, there are other allegations that haven't yet been uh, looked at, um, and so deflecting or reframing the whole Najib episode also then ends up saving face for a lot of other people who are still um, within the party and still leading the party in some cases, right? Um, we have actually a solid snake who says, my cousin's an AMNO politician. He contested in the last GE and lost. He blamed the voters who lived outside his constituency for the loss instead of accepting that the Rakyat rejected them because they did not want to change their top leadership. They kept blaming the Rakyat instead of themselves. 
Yes. This is an interesting anecdote, although I do wonder how many uh, politicians would share the sentiment and you know whether or not whether this is a symptom of a, a party uh, a party based mentality or whether in some ways this is a reaction that we've heard I mean not across the board certainly but I, I, I don't think this is the first time that I've heard of a complaint like this being levied about voters yeah so why isn't Amno willing to listen to its grassroots why if they risk losing them, especially with a strong contender for the same leadership of the community. I mean, it's ironic because they talk about the grassroots so much. Uh, the grassroots come up all the time in terms of we do this because this is what our voters want. Um, but then, you know, as this example shows... It's not necessarily where they look to when something goes wrong. Instead, um, it ends up being, well, no, you didn't choose right. Instead of what did we do wrong that you turned your back on us? Which, I mean, I know that the the phrase patronage politics is used. This is not the correct setting in which to use. It's not exactly what it means. But I think it speaks to a certain level of uh, perhaps hierarchical thinking that does make it difficult to consult with a wider, messier, more... Uh, not cantankerous, but sort of more multi-pronged group of people, right? Which grassroots inevitably are. That's just a function of being a larger group of people all weighing in on things, all having, you know, town hall discussions and the like. And I think, um, I agree. I mean, I see where you're coming from. I think that the issue of not listening to grassroots is one that has been brought up a lot. I think it's a it's a crucial point of discussion. Um, I also wonder how much of that is baked into the culture or the hierarchy of the party as it currently exists, not not as it was in the past, but as it currently is. I, I wonder though, you know, I'm not going into these elections, in some sense, depending on Pakatan Harapan voters, <clears throat> sorry, in a general sense, will they now think in terms of their candidates, not just the party, you know, warlords and all these people who are movers and shakers within parties, but find candidates that are acceptable to a, a broader uh, electorate, right? So will they put you know, more young people, fresh faces, people untainted. So whatever the top leadership is, the top leadership decides that they need to project a new image for the party. That's going to be interesting to watch. Or are they going to rely on the on the culture that's been set within Amno of those people who have the power at a at a local level as being the candidates? So we are getting plenty of messages about um, that point that you brought up, Lynn. Would you vote for AMNO if they ran with PH? Would you vote for PH if they were collaborating with AMNO? We will get to those after this. But to close off the loop here, we do have this voice note from Madi. Evening, BFM. Race-based parties in Malaysia will remain as long as our election con uh, constituencies are as it is now. They favour race-based parties. Until that changes, we, don't, we will not have any change in political party uh, composition. That's very interesting, Madhi. I, I, I'm not sure if that's necessarily true because when you look at some of them, I'm not talking about the rural um, constituencies, which are yeah smaller and largely uh, mono-ethnic. Uh, but when you look at uh, some of the other uh, things, what 
Barca National used to win at was in fact these mixed constituencies with maybe a small majority in terms of one of the communities, but mixed race, uh, mixed ethnic uh, communities. And so, and that's where Pakatan Harapan, PKR in particular, won big when they made their first thing. So it's interesting. Yes, we know the gerrymandering does have some impact, but in fact, what Barca National had banked on was being the centrist party, the middle-of-the-road party, the party that brought a whole range of uh, communities together. And that's why they were successful until they weren't. Keep your thoughts coming. Do you see a future for AMNO? Would you vote for an AMNO-PH uh, collaboration? Would you vote for AMNO or PH if that were the case? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Busy finding money. BFM 89.9. It is 7.20. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we're talking about AMNO and asking you, do you see a future for AMNO? Uh, would would you vote for an AMNO uh, that ran alongside PH, a PH that runs alongside AMNO? Especially if that wasn't where your vote was before. Yeah, you can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Uh, we do have a number of messages that have come in on this. So, um, let's see, Joshua says, the loyalty of the Rakyat to choose whom to cast their votes for should not be to the party but for results. So I would vote for AMNO If they show good results for the country and the Rakyat, that's democracy. We vote and trust. If the trust is broken, we change our votes. Yeah, well, Joshua, very sensible. But of course, um, people are driven by passions. Uh, people um, have uh, emotions like revenge. And, you know, I hate their face and I'll never vote for them. And, you know, and the pragmatism that you kind of demonstrated in your message uh, is not something everybody shares, right? So uh, I think where it's a learning, a steep learning curve for Malaysians in this particular period. Well, Z says, reluctantly, I would transfer my vote over in the best interest of not moving towards an extremist country. The reluctance could be lessened or eliminated if the candidate is working in my favour. If it went in the other way, though, uh, Undi Rosak may seem appealing. So I think this uh, this point that Z is making about um, what... I mean, you hear it a lot, right? Like, what does what is centrist? What does centrism look like in a Malaysian context? Um, what does it mean when you say, well, I see this party as being extremist and therefore I'd much rather vote for this party who may not be aligned to what I think of as progressive, but perhaps are more progressive than that party. And I think these are things that we are increasingly learning to contend with in Malaysia because the lines between who we vote for are also starting to blur. I mean, look at Parliament today. It's an extraordinary image. One side of the aisle, multi-ethnic, uh, with with lots of men and women. And on the other side of the aisle, almost entirely, almost, not completely, almost entirely mono-ethnic. It's, it's not something we've seen ever. And so that is what I think people might want to focus on. So I, I'd like to ask you, Sharat, to respond to this message after I read it, because I think it's it's speaking to a number of points you've raised. So Anon says, AMNO used MCA and MIC. Now they're using Pakatan Harapan. As long as they can strategize like that, they might survive. They would use PASS too if it keeps them afloat. And no, I won't vote for either. You can't trust both. 
Well, okay. Well, the you know you might actually say you know other parties that use Amno is not the only party that's using other. It's, it's a strategic decision. Yes, Amno only recently was in a different type of alliance called the Mafakat Nasional that included PAS, right? And the rhetoric was very very different. It wasn't ethno nationalist religious kind of rhetoric that they. Spouse. Now they've changed their tune. And you're absolutely right to think, well, what's going to guarantee that they keep to this tune, right? The, maybe the guarantee is power. Power is a powerful glue. Uh, the other is that their survival depends on this kind of configuration. So, um, uh, you know, and I, I can't say I know who can guarantee that the political players will not be consistent with their values, I'd like to uh, ask Anon, what would make you trust parties again? Or if not parties, then maybe the system. Because there, there's a distinction to be made, right, between whether you trust a party and vote eternally for them, regardless of what they do, because you trust that ultimately their intentions are good, versus you vote because you believe in the system and um, you you... Well, we, we actually did so many shows on this about why it's important to vote. I'm not going to repeat it. But I, I think that the the interesting thing there about I can't trust them, I find that interesting, partly because we're not just hearing this about Amno and Pakatan Harapan. We're hearing this about almost everybody. So uh, I, I, I think that that's kind of an interesting thing to explore. Well, Aslan is saying there are no permanent enemies and no permanent friends, only permanent aligned interests. I would contest, Aslan, there may not even be permanent aligned interests, only aligned interests of the moment. Or aligned interests in victory. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a permanent. Actually, yeah, that's, that's a permanent saying, one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Zaino is saying, uh, yes, Amno has a future as long as as PH needs the parliament numbers from them, doesn't matter being number three or four in line, PH will keep them alive. Win-win. Yeah, well, you know, all parties, are in this, I mean, we, we focus so much on AMNO, but AMNO, um, you know, held together a working coalition. You, you might make the argument that they became dominant and, you know, uh, and so on and so forth um, and sidelined the the their historical partners, especially MCA and MIC, became sort of appendages uh, more than anything else. But, you know, I mean, this is politics and it's the evolution of our politics. And one of the things that we have to realize is the demographics of this country is changing dramatically. Uh, and the share of non, the non-Malay community is dropping also precipitously. So what is politics going to look like in 20 years and 30 years? So we've been, uh, earlier we were talking about grassroots. Um, we do have a voice note that's come in on that. Hi, this is Zaki. Uh, I just want to make a comment that grassroots means different things to different people. Uh, I guess for the members and the those in, in Amno Circle, grassroots support that's more important for them are the members in the party themselves, not necessarily the voters. So it's in their self-interest to get internal grassroots support, even if that's not exactly what the voters want, such as, case in point, uh, the release of um, Najib. That's probably something that the grassroots within Namno wants, even if it's not what the voter wants. Zaki, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this, this notion of... Uh, who leads the, the who leads what someone wants right in some points it feels like uh, there's a lot of there's a lot a lot of that burden is placed on the grassroots by the party saying oh we're acting in their best interests but i wonder whether 
there is enough actually outreach in terms of what the voters um, actually know and then vote for? I mean, political parties at the end of the day are going to be looking at the numbers, right? And so I, I believe, you know, uh, Anthony Locke has recently reportedly saying that Amno needs to do well in the state elections. I mean, it's important for the the strength of the federal level unity government. And so, um, you know, I, this would be unthinkable. I mean, who would imagine 10 years ago that a leading DAP leader would be, you know, kind of making the call or making the, the... I mean, it's not just an observation. It's self-interest on the part of Pakatan that AMNO does well mm. because they are partners. The question is, what do we believe they're safeguarding by doing that? Are they safeguarding a particular notion of Malaysia as plural, multi-ethnic? I mean, Parikatan National does have Gurakan in its ranks, but I mean, mm, okay. So, but, I mean... The, but there's a very different messaging coming out from uh, from the Perikatan side of parliament that, you know, now there seems to be a developing consensus on the Pakatan Amno, uh, Barisan national side that this is the Malaysia that they're safeguarding. Mizi says, I vote for people who remember why Malaysia was formed. And I think this is... This is interesting partly because we have been spending this hour talking about... Um, Talking about firstly AMNO uh, and their role in the formation of, of our political system, but but also because uh, we've in that process been talking about why people vote for who they vote for, which parties interest them. And I, I wonder how many people feel like this. How many people vote pragmatically? Um, how many people vote ideologically? How many people vote idealistically? Uh, it, it's just been quite illuminating. Well, on that note, we do have to wrap up, but keep your thoughts coming. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. And keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.